Yeah, last week my back was hurting, so I kept sitting back yeah. like, when I wasn't talking. And then is that a, is that, is that a? Are you trying to say that you were having to carry the pod last week? Oh wow! God damn, that's rude. 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 Yeah. Ooh. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Now that is your source for all your FC Dallas national team and international club gear, but you know what they've got now? Sweet and awesome Dallas Tornado stuff in the form of a Dallas Tornado tee, which is offered exclusively at Soccer90.com. You can get all your stuff there. You absolutely should. Even go visit the store next door to the Hall of Fame up in Frisco on Main Street. And you third-degree listeners receive 25% off your order when you use the code thirddegree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. This is episode number 125, a nice round number. Unfortunately, it's another podcast filled with lack of winning. But we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Hi, I'm Peter, and with me are my two good friends to talk all things Football Club Dallas. First off, coming off a thrashing of his Luton Town, I think it was five nothing. Oh my gosh, poor Dan Crook. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Doesn't, and you just forget about. It and you move on to the next game, right, Dan? I don't know what you're talking about. All right, okay, go Hatters. Uh, and your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, uh, the good, the amazing editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter. Welcome back. How's the grind? Groin is getting better. I've had a lot of salve uh, put on it. So, wait, salve. Salve. Salve, not salve. Some lotion. Savaloy, like the sausage? Yeah, I've been (laughs) rubbing sausage on my groin for the last uh, week or so, yeah. Seems legit. Hey, man, you do what you got to do when you're my age to get better. All right, guys, before we get into the uh, Texas Derby excitement fest we should talk about the big news of the day now we're recording this on wednesday evening it's a little after nine o'clock p.m the all-star game is going on somewhere without us paying attention to it because i'm sure it's so thrilling um and all the scuttlebutt today was one ricardo pepe who i guess if we're you know reading the tea leaves i.e social media uh, something about his tie to either the United States or Mexico should come down the pipe tomorrow, probably by the time you're listening to this episode of the podcast. Yeah, as near as we can tell, uh, the the rosters will come out or the cops will come out for the United States and Mexico for the next round of qualifying. And presumably has been has been hinted or intimated or flat out said by different reporters that Pepe will be on where we think one of those two rosters sort of indicating where his future is going to be. Uh, there's a person that's uh, from a relatively substantial network saying it was going to be the United States. And then there's been some other reports from other places saying it's going to be Mexico. So I don't think at this point we have any idea. We're not privy to any 
inside information, certainly. But obviously, as FC Dallas watchers, we really care about where this kid's going to end up playing. I personally believe that you should uh, pick your national team based on your emotions. If you feel an emotional attachment or a sentiment or a belonging or like just uh, my heart just says, go this way. That's great. Pick which way you want to go. I'll support you. If you pick the United States, I'll be ecstatic. You know, I love it. I'm American. If you pick Mexico, Hey, more power to you. Great. I'll cheer for you unless you're playing in the United States. So I can't wait to see who he picks. You know, I hope he picks the United States, but if he doesn't, okay, great. Mexico's fine too. I mean, both places he'll develop and progress and it'll be good for the kid. And uh, it'll be good for, hopefully it'll be good for the kid. And good things will happen for him. Well, he should pick whichever he wants. But if he doesn't yeah. pick the United States, the country he was born and raised in, uh, F him. Oh, That's you're going to go strongly. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Screw his parents. Yeah. Uh, hey, man. He can. Uh, I, no, he I, I, I'm sure he would be delightful playing for Mexico, but that is our nemesis. And I'm going to stick to my old man Generation X guns and be nationalistic about it. If you're born in a country and you were offered the opportunity to play for that country, um, you should be playing for that country. Uh, that's all. That's my that's my big beef about that. And I'm probably wrong. I maybe could be talked out of it, but probably not either. And while I'm sure he'll do fine and make Mexico proud, if he does choose to play for Mexico, I will not be rooting for the best for him. And I hope that he never scores for that country and has a miserable time doing it. Go FC Dallas. Wow. Well, I, I, uh, I certainly agree that I want him to play for the U.S. for those reasons. I, I, I won't go so far as to – I mean, when he's playing the United States, I'll cheer against him, but – I don't, I'm not, I'm not much of a cheering against people in general, unless they're directly playing against the team I'm supporting. Maybe I, maybe I'm just not wired the right for it. But. I think everybody has to make a choice that they feel is best for their career. And I don't necessarily begrudge them for that, but I also don't, don't owe them. Um, uh, I don't owe them anything in terms of cheering or rooting for them playing for my country's nemesis team. I, yeah. That's just how I feel about it. So fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm half joking around when I, when I make, uh, uh, disparaging remarks and F him and stuff like that, but I certainly am not going to be, I'm not going to root for him. I'm not going to hope that he does well for Mexico. I hope he's terrible for Mexico. I want the worst things for the Mexico Mexican national team to happen, uh, because it's sport and you got to have a nemesis. And there are nemesis. Yeah, I guess that's true. Wow. Tell I mean, I, you know, really I certainly don't want good for Mexico's national team. I just want good for Pepe. That's... I mean, he's in a he's in an interesting position though, right? Because Mexico have got brought Funes Mori in because they don't have really many good strikers, and the United States don't have really any good strikers. So, you know, there's definitely a there's definitely a role to grow into. Yeah, he might be in big demand. I mean, he might have both uh, Tata and Bearhalter oh. ringing his phone off the hook trying to get him in. I'm sure well, they do, but here's the deal. I mean, how many times have we been through this in the last few years where there's been some up-and-coming, you know, future superstar prospect uh, that was having to choose between one country and another, and by the time a few years goes by, we can barely remember their names? Jesse Gonzalez. Oh yeah, many right. times. Yeah. What about the uh, Rodriguez? What was the 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 holding mids uh, name? I literally Jonathan Rod. What was his name? The kid that we all got really oh. bummed out about when he chose to play for Mexico, and we were all thought, oh, we're never going to win anything now. And now I can't even remember that cat's name. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Ricardo Pepe, but we can all get in a big, we can get our panties in a wad over what country he picks when he's 18 years old. We have no idea what he's going to turn into in terms of a player any more than we did with Jesse Gonzalez or that other guy or the other guy or the other guy uh, who yeah. we've all forgotten about because their careers never amounted to much. Well, I think the difference in this particular case is that, you know, because just like I feel with Jonathan Gomez, you know, with Ricardo Pepe, these kids that I've been watching since they were 14, 15 years old, you know, I feel a little bit of a more of an emotional attachment to them than I do for some random guy from LA Galaxy or from whatever that I don't really care about. You know, these are people that I, I mean, I'm not going to claim that I know Ricardo Pepe, but I've certainly met him and talked to him. You know, yeah, you've watched the and, kid and grow I, up. Yeah, I've watched him grow up playing for FC Dallas. I've watched him play you know, in the academy probably 30 times before he signed, you know, and watched him play a hundred times since then, you know, so it's, it's different when, when you have this connection with him and and it's hard for me to, you know, as I said, it's hard for me to root against him if he doesn't pick the United States. Now I really want him to pick the United States, you know, I mean, I, I'm like you, I'm old school enough that I feel like if you're a U.S. citizen, you know, and born here, lived here, whatever, that you ought to pick the United States, you know, of course, that's easy for me to say that when I have no shot of ever anybody ever wanting me to play for anything. You know, I mean, I, I admit it. If American Samoa called me tomorrow and said, come play, I'd be like, heck yeah. You know, <laughs> but I got no chance to play for the United States. It's totally different than if I grew up a star and grew up playing for the Youth World Cups and stuff. I would hope that he would pick the United States, but I'm not going to hate him if he doesn't. You know, I, I, want him to, I want the kid to be happy. I feel like I know him enough to say that I want him to be happy. So I, it's hard for me to cheer against him. Just, just remember that uh, dual national Americans are very rare until St. Patrick's Day comes around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, I don't, I don't necessarily begrudge anybody going to play for another country other than the United States when the United States is never coming calling, right? This is a, this is a case where there's an up-and-coming player that has been asked to come play for his national team and join the national team he has the opportunity to do it the door is wide open and if he chooses not to walk through that door and go play for mexico that's when my attitude about him and supporting him changes i will love him as an fc dallas player for the next however many weeks or whatever it is he's left here in dallas before you know dan decides to sell him but um not you, Dan. The other Dan. <laughs> Dan, um, Dan uh, just looking to make some money. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, I, I'm I'm a hardcore nationalist when it comes to this stuff. So yeah, uh, I he, he is. I'm I am definitely hoping that all signs indicating that he's you know he's committing to the United States is what I'm hoping for because I don't want to be in the situation where I have to give him the stink eye when he's wearing green. Oh yeah, no, I really want him to play for the United States too. Yeah, I'm in on that. Yeah. Yes, and like we said, by the time people are listening, to this this may all have uh, come clear, and we and uh, yeah. you know it'll all be old news. But uh, we'll much to do about this. nothing, maybe. Definitely the talking, hot talking point of the day on the interwebs. And it is interesting. There are different media outlets reporting completely different things. Although I will say Andrew Wiedeby from MLS Soccer uh, tweeted the day that he had interviewed Pepe yesterday. And his read on it would was that it would be, quote, an upset if the United States ended up getting picked over Mexico. In other words, he was he felt like it was pretty clear Ricardo Pepe was going to go play for Mexico. I mean, think so. about that, though, like in, the, in like the United States soccer terms anyway, like which country Pepe's going to pick. That's a pretty hot item. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine as a reporter throwing out that he was going one way or the other without 100 percent 
conviction and, and like a deadlock source. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine getting that wrong. Like what being if, like, I know, and then have it be wrong and be like, oh my God. What if we found out, and this, God, this would be awesome. What if we found out that Ricardo Pepe's people, whatever that is, family or whoever he's got attached to his career, were geniusly creating this confusion by going out and, and telling different reporters different things just to create the noise. Oh, on the eve of the All-Star game too? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's genius actually. Um, if if his agents or people are doing that, they deserve a raise. Because the, right now, basically it's the night of the All-Star game and every anything anybody else wants to talk about is Pepe. And that's coming off of that phenomenal skills thing he did yesterday where the the keeper faked an injury to get him to stop. <laughs> like I couldn't believe that. Yeah. yeah. We should talk about the skills thing. I have an interesting observation about that from last night that I, I want to share, but let's, let's save that for the end of the pod because we do need to get into the action of the weeks. So the last time I was on this pod guys, um, things were feeling so much better. The team was on an undefeated streak. They had gone, uh, undefeated in four games. They had one points on the road. Uh, and since then, it's all gone to pot with two losses at home. And now a draw in Houston, in Stinktown, 2-2. And I have this weird feeling, Buzz, you're going to tell me to look on the bright side and it's not all as bad as it's as I think it is. Well, that's because, as always, Peter, I try and think about things in context. And... If you want to talk about the context of the season, and Dan and I went over this on the podcast you were missing. I don't, I don't mean that to be a stink eye back of you. I just mean that both of those results were very were bad results, but were halfway decent performances. If you use the Oscar Pereja method, which is sometimes you have to throw out the goals if you're going to analyze the play, throw out the result if you're going to analyze the play. And so we tried to analyze the play. And relative to the start of the year, it's it was relatively good. You know, it was more like it's been lately when Dallas had those positive results. Now they played the two best teams in the West, who were both mad because they got points on them against the road like a week before. So no, those results weren't good. But and then you put it in, into the context of the Houston game, and Houston, by the way, is absolutely desperate for points as well, and they're not very good. And we, we talked about this too. I think it was even the week before, Dan, did we talk about it? Where we, we, we broke down the schedule of this six of seven on the road, which is a brutal road stretch. But we also talked about you got Houston twice, you got Vancouver, and you got Austin, which is four games against teams that are right below you in the standings. And if you can get some salvage, some points, grind out some points there, and you can get through this six of seven on the road, getting a little bit going, get a little bit of points going, that you can feel a little bit about yourself and you can set yourself up for this backloaded home schedule, which I think is six of eight to finish on the home. I didn't look it up. That's my fault. Uh, and so they went down in Houston. And now if you're a team that has got zitch on the road all year until very recently, you got one win and one tie. And then you didn't do very well at home in terms of results. But then you went back on the road and you tied the first game against an arch rival, which is when you throw out the records, right? When you play an arch rival. So relatively speaking for this club, a point on the road at the start of this brutal road thing is not bad. You can feel relatively good about yourself. You outplayed Houston. You managed to get a little something on the road. And that sort of sets you up. Can I grind out a few more road points and, and, and salvage this season? So that's why big picture things are horrible. But in the moment, we try and I try and say there's a little bit something to take from this to go forward with. 
All right, Dan, let's bring your typical English cheer into this conversation. Well, uh, <laughs> kind of wanted to vomit saying it was positive. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, it was a boring game. Let's be honest; it didn't start out like a like a rivalry game. It was very slow to start. Very, you know, really up until the penalty. The problem I had was it was, what, 10 minutes before the end of the game. FC Dallas has kind of got accused on the ropes a little bit and, you know, looking like they could go for the kill and they just didn't. Just kind of went, yay, a point. Um, you know, it, you, play your, you play your biggest rivals three times in the year. You don't have... I mean, you've got one more game with SKC. That's the closest thing you have to another rivalry game. Those are the ones that fire players up and and can kind of and and help that momentum can kind of carry carry the team it you know through a few games regardless of the result and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a wet blanket game um, you know even if you want to say for points of pride and and just don't think about the playoffs right now your uh, one success point could potentially be the Texas Derby, and uh, you've got to go back to Houston for that again as well. So, uh, I don't know, I just uh, kind of just wanted to see a little more fight out there and, you know, like 11 Nikosi Tafaris beating <laughs> the living snot out of 11 Fafa Picos, who really has embraced Houston, apparently. Yeah, I, did, I didn't think it was a particularly skillful game, but I did think it was relatively enjoyable. I thought it was up and down. You know, sort of end-to-end play, which I, I, yeah, I, and then I had fun watching. That was the problem. Well, no, I agree with you that they they screwed up the end, but, uh, you know, I, I was entertained, uh, you know. Yeah, I guess, Buzz, and and again, I, I'm I'm infamous for being pessim- pessimistic about this stuff, but my, my, my concern about the last three games is that it really encapsulates everything that frustrates me about this club, which is the first two games are clear indicators that this team just isn't good enough to compete against the league's best. And when they play at Houston in Houston, or they play against Houston in Houston against a terrible Houston, that team is awful. No wins Um, in 14. Yeah. I mean, they're just terrible and they play this kind of clumsy game. It just, it just brings back all the things that I get frustrated about because here we are in year three of Lucci and they're not going anywhere. I'm not sure they're better than they were last year or the year before that. They seem to be retrograding in many ways. And if he loses his job at the end of the season, then we're just going to start over again. And that's where I that's what I think, you know, all the kind of little bits of pieces of hope that we got out of the out of the undefeated streak kind of gave us. And now after these 3 games, I just feel like we're right back where we started and uh, it doesn't feel really good. Well, certainly I would agree with you that in big picture, this team is not very good. And one of the problems of they actually do manage to grind out some points here and mediocre themselves into this next home stand to finish the season and sort of mediocre themselves into the playoffs or even close to the playoffs. There'll be the false sense of, oh, the season wasn't as bad as as it appears. Well, we should, on a macro level, be very clear that the season is very bad. You know, the whole Western Conference, below the top four teams, five down, you know, they're all within like four or five points of each other and they're all pretty bad. 
You know, like to say that Houston is that much worse than FC Dallas. I mean, when you watch the game, I see more talent for FC Dallas, but they don't look particularly better than. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. When I watch FC Dallas against Houston, I see more talent playing for FC Dallas. I they agree. Don't, they don't play collectively better than Houston, though. You know, I you know, so I, I totally agree that big picture, there's still humongous, massive issues with this team. You know, it's not a great team. I'm just talking about. I'm just trying to manage where we are in the season and take games as they come one at a time. Can I find something that I can carry over in my analysis to try and say what's going to happen in the next game and how, and try and put myself in the coach's shoes. Like if you're the coach, what do you take from that game and say, okay, what can I build on? What can I take forward? What was good? Where, where do we see some silver lines? How do we get the next result? That's what I'm trying to do. And that's what I try and bring to this podcast all the time. You're right. If you're the GM and you want to put on those shoes and you want to put on the technical director's shoes, you want to put on the owner's shoes and say, this team stinks. I can't argue with you on that. I mean, it does stink, you know, but, you know, we just try and stay in the context of the season and see if we can figure out, is there something salvageable here? Until, of course, we think that the guys getting are all getting fired and then we'll translate over to what's next. You know, when we get to the end of the season, we'll translate over to what's next, but we're not in what's next yet. I don't think. All right. So some notes that I have from the game that I wanted to ask you guys, since we really haven't talked about the game yet is first off, um, has anybody had a chance to ask Brisson if he is mad at himself for hurting his own shoulder? Cause I've rewatched <laughs> it, Dan. Uh, I, I think he, I think what happens is, is he feels, um, a Rudy, like slightly clip him and he just completely lets himself go to get the call and get out of trouble. And he lands on his shoulder and I'm guessing he's out for a while. Yeah, definitely. Look like he broke his uh, collarbone or did something around that area. Uh, yeah. I, I thought at the time as a foul, I haven't really seen it since, but I just remember he definitely that spun as if to try and catch himself. And that can be the worst thing to do sometimes. Yeah, it would be very Brisson to end up breaking something, uh, throwing yourself to the ground and trying to get a call. But, you know, if I could tease a little bit later in the podcast, I will tell you what's wrong with him and how long he'll be out. Oh, that's right. Uh, That will be a 35 minute segment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Buzz uh, uh, teased on social media that there were six people missing from practice. So we'll get to that a little bit. Were you. All right. So were you guys surprised that his replacement was uh, Martinez and not Matt Hedges. Uh, no, because Martinez is on the left. Rassam ah. was on the left, so no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Also, I mean, you're trying to get everyone minutes. Matt's played the 90 minutes, you know, fairly recently, so it just kind of seemed like it was Martinez's turn almost to uh, get a little run out. And uh, then, of course, I guess, Buzz, we're going to learn more about his fate, uh, yep. Martinez's injury fate here coming up. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got, I got a long list. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the PK takes place in two bad moments for Emma Tuamase in that, both the incoming ball that he misplays and then the unneeded collision for the actual penalty kick. This was – now, I, I, maybe I'm judging him harshly based on this particular incident, but it felt like this was not his best game. Uh, in the shirt not defensively no but I, I think other than that one particular horrific stretch he was he was mostly pretty good I think he recovered after that you know I big picture I think uh, Tuomasi's done enough to hold that job even the even though Justin Chase back now um, Fafa 
man, we'll get into him in a second, but he really was, uh, that, that's more than we've seen from Buff in a long time. Um, uh, Tuomasi obviously defensively is still making mistakes, you know, which is puts him kind of in the Munjoma camp, except that I think he brings a little more complete game. Um, I, I don't really have much to add on Tuomasi other than I don't think that overall that little stumble and, and failure is going to be enough to keep him out of the lineup. The game overall was really odd, I thought. There was lots of fouls, uh, at least early in the game. Um, there was a, that kind of side to it. It was just a really, um, I don't know, Dan, what would be a uh, what would be an awesome English term for this type of game? Dodgy? Sketchy? Um, Shite. Okay, shite game. <laughs> Sixes and, and sevens. Yeah. So, uh, Buzz, what what was that? I mean, because you had you know essentially your best eleven out there. It's not like they were missing anybody in particular that I can think of off the top of my head. I just I just thought the game was really weird, and then I thought it was even weirder when Lucci subbed Shun <clears throat> off um, uh, for the rookie draft pick El Makar, uh in the second half. I just thought that was real, especially as early as he did it. Well, some of the disjointedness comes from the fact that Houston is uh, fighting and clawing and desperate for points. You know, so in a way, if you're a pro rail kind of guy, this is what we have here. This version of that is teams that are that still are within five points of the playoffs that think they can get in that are getting desperate. So that's our version of that kind of game. And so it gets sloppy and it gets, you know, messy. And in particular, remember that. Um, Yuruti and Fafa know this team and Maynor Figueroa too. They know Dallas and Dallas knows them. So there's a little, that familiarity sometimes means like you kind of know what guys are going to do and you can, and some of the tactics can be neutralized and you get kind of like this scrappy sluggish kind of game, you know, it basically it's the bottom of the division <laughs> football. So it looks like what it looks like, you know? And what was the whole thing with Fafa raising the Dukes? Yeah, what's up? Like, with Pepe, that was the weirdest thing. I mean, he was intense anyway, but those fists came up real quick on Pepe. And I thought, man, there's got to be something else there that we don't know about for you to bring him up. I mean, it wasn't just like he pushed back or like got in his face. I mean, he literally was like, oh, it's go time. And that's that's really rare, especially from Fafa, who's not a particularly... And let's go kind of guy. My thought when I, it took me a couple of minutes. And then I remembered that at the end of last season, when, when Fafa fell out, that Ricardo Pepe played a whole lot of wings. So it's possible that Fafa looked at Pepe as a guy that took away his job or put his job at risk and ended up making him surplus to requirements here in Dallas. So maybe there's some animosity, particularly with Pepe, because I didn't think that collision was enough to like be ready to swing. That was, I mean, cause at the end of the game, Fava's running around hugging everybody, like how he loves all the Dallas players. And yet, dude, you were about to throw down 30 minutes ago. What is going on? Yeah. He, even when he, uh, you know, he scores that penalty one, it's not often you see someone that goes to another club and then just immediately celebrates against their old team. Two, it's not often you see someone run 45 yards after scoring a bloody penalty. Like they've just won the world cup. Yeah. I, you know, my, here's the thing. Whenever I watch him and Yerudi play for Houston, I am reminded why I'm glad they don't play for Dallas oh, because Arudy I didn't. Was terrible. Uh, yeah, Arudi, you know, Arudi was a great character, 
But he was also one of the most maddening players this team has ever had because he was capable of, of such great magic, but it happened in such rare moments, and then everything else was just this maddening tactical disaster. And I've never quite figured out what Fafa brought to the table. Um, so, I look, I'm glad Houston has them. They can keep them. Uh, I, I don't think they add much uh, uh, to, to either – ever added much to either team. So – I, I just don't get it. Now, I'm going to go back, and I don't think you answered my original question about this, Buzz, and if you did, I apologize, and oh. we can edit it out. But I am wondering what your reaction was to Lucci subbing out Shun, who I thought was having, a you know, out of anybody playing well, was probably higher up in the grading than anybody else to pull him out so early and put in the rookie, uh, El Makar. Well, this comes down to something that Lucci's been doing a lot lately which is you know when they're trying to attack he brings in the player at the same position you know i I don't i don't always understand that um some of it i think is the idea that uh he's using all of his subs to essentially squad rotate you know what i mean he's trying to get guys that are key players breaks here and there like any given game he he picks a, He seems to pick a different guy to bring him out early. Um, they brought Obreon on at ha- halftime because that because Vargas was a disaster and, and screwed up. It was so bad he screwed up Jesus Ferreira. Um, and then beyond that, I thought, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I don't remember whether it was this podcast or the one before um, Dan and Peter, was that Lucci had told me that Khalil was getting really close to playing time, that he was making some a case for himself and he was pushing to get minutes. And sometimes I feel like there's a point where it's like, man, I really got to get this kid on. Who can I bring him on for? Well, he's not going to bring him on for Jesus. That's his guy. Right. So at that point, I think it, and O'Brien had come on at halftime. So I honestly think that was one of those cases of Lucci just wanted to get him some minutes, you know? And, and so that was what the minutes he got, you know? And, you know, let's, let's not, you know, make it like, uh, Khalil didn't do anything. He, you know, had a solid thirty odd minutes while he was on. Um, I thought Obreon on the other side. I thought that was a fantastic sub the way it worked out because Vargas wasn't getting back to defend and kind of help uh, against Fafa Pico. And Obreon actually did. He defended. He got forward well. They overlapped each other effectively. They actually kind of shut him down to a degree. I would say that uh, of the, the times I've seen Khalil lately, the, the consistency of the whole thing isn't there, but he's showing flashes that make me really interested in like his progression going forward. Like he'll, you know, every 10 minutes or so, he'll do something that gets my attention in a really positive way. And I say, oh, oh, all right, let's get, let's see some more of that kid. You know, let's get it going. I, I like that, you know? So I don't, I don't have an overall negative impression of his play. I actually have an overall positive impression of his play. And I honestly think it's just, about giving him an opportunity, you know, and that's the position he plays is left wing. So, yeah, I guess, I guess my question is, you know, we can debate on another time who, who's going to end up being the worst of the two offseason signings between Obreon and Vargas. And I think currently right now, Vargas is leading that race. Um, although not by too much, uh, but if you're going to make the change, why not put, um, El Midcar on for Vargas instead of Obreon? Um, and leave shown on probably, probably a left, right kind of thing. Remember too, that Shone's going to uh, a call up 
So he's leaving after the game this weekend. So uh-huh. Lucy's probably also looking to get Elmer Carr in to get him up and running because he might need to start him at left wing. If, if you don't think Vargas is up for a start, which I don't think he is now. So it may have been like, crap, I better get him in. You know, okay. and Khalil on the right is not as good as Khalil on the left. I think it's clear. You know, he's yeah, like Hollingshead. But- he's a guy that wants to come inside onto his right foot from the left. It doesn't really work on the other side, Dan. I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. No, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. He, he likes to cut inside and, and have that kind of long shot or, you know, create a bit of space and see what his options are. I found it kind of funny when he came on, actually, that the uh, the goal uh, came effectively from a bungled pass to him. It was uh, Mauer tried to find him, fullback ran uh, the fullback got the ball, just ran loose, passed it back to the keeper. Keeper fluffs it to Jesus. Jesus, Pepe goal. Yeah, just uh, it was nice I mean, to see Pepe score again. By the way, that's yeah, the first he time in that quite a badly. while. Yeah, he was actually my man of the match because I thought he was really active, both in you know chipping at the defense in the back and even just combining. I mean, he was involved in like all of the Dallas offense on that game. You know, he had the shot that led to Tafari's goal, and then he had a goal of his own. So, you know, a lot of times for me, man of the match is can be about context. It can be about the guys have had a bad game and then they come back and had a really nice game or maybe they're in a role I don't expect them to be or they make a big step forward. So for me, I mean, Tafari was just as good of a choice because he was also phenomenal. But, um, you know, I, I picked Pepe just because I thought, well, he had a couple, the eyes were on him and everyone was watching and he had a couple of flat games and then he rebounded and this one I thought was really active and I really liked that. Yeah, and since you brought him up, uh, Tafari really is the best story of the season uh, going, and he gets a goal in this game, and he has a cool little celebration. Uh, although I think he celebrated, and I think he was, at least based on what I saw on television, I, was he concerned there for a second that maybe VAR was going to get involved? Because he kind of shut down the celebration and just kept looking back across the field. <laughs> and I, I felt bad for him that it kind of... Uh, maybe uh, Lucci was telling him to quit celebrating get back. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, it was he a good smart finish on his part. What? He just wanted to dance. That's right. Yeah. I did ask Lucci about him today. Um, you know, with, cause listen, this progression on this kid is remarkable. And I, I, so I asked him, I said, look, two months ago, Lucci, did you guys see this coming? And he said, Oh no, 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 no. They, they knew that he had a lot of raw ability and they knew he had all the tools, but they didn't know if he had the mindset and the focus and the concentration to do it. And, he said, it's just been, what a joy, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what Lucia basically said, it's been such a joy watching the kid progress. And they're now completely convinced he's at least an MLS level starting center back for as long as he wants to be, you know, and maybe even a higher ceiling if he can maintain his focus and his work, you know, which so far he really has. It's just been, I mean, it's, the, this just goes to show you that coaches get as excited and joyful about the progression of guys as we do, you know, when they come from basically nowhere, really. I mean, it's honest. Nobody saw this coming from this kid and everybody loves it. I think. Well, since you brought it up, uh, buzz, you were at practice today. You did talk to the coach and you did tease on social media and you better effing pay <laughs> off with this. If I find out this is some hoax of yours, just to reel people in with a clickbait with podcasting yeah. clickbait, I'm going to be mad at you, mister. Well, it's but secretly it's, happy. Yeah, it's uh, actually quietly proud of you. Quietly proud. Yeah, uh, it's actually seven players and not six because I didn't count Benny Redzik as. Oh, sorry, Redzic 
as part of the rotation. Oh, hold like on, hold player. on. Breaking news. Breaking yeah. news alert. Breaking news alert. Fox Soccer has just tweeted, quote, we can confirm that Ricardo Pepe is on the roster for the upcoming U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifier. Oh. Stuart Holden shares the latest right there during the MLS All-Star game, and uh, Fox Soccer just tweeted that out. So oh, there man, you go. I got to find that. Um, yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, I see Mark Followell just uh, retweeted it too. Yeah. Retweet, um, retweet follow. Okay, so um, what was I saying? Oh, I, like I said, it was actually seven because I did not count Benny as part of the rotation because Benny showed up today wearing a cast on his foot, which, I mean, I was told recently that Benny was about ready to start running again. It's not like Benny's an important player, but like all of a sudden he's got a cast on his foot, so something's going wrong with that kid. He's been out for months now. But anyway, he was not part of the six. So here's the six players that were missing. Number one, Ricardo Pepe. I mean, right, everyone guessed that one. That was a given. So he will be back tomorrow, Lucci's gonna, which is Thursday, the day this is airing. Lucci's going to sit down with him, and they're going to go over the tactical video. And Lucci said that he should be available for this weekend. Ricardo Pepe. So good. That's a win, right? All right, number two, Faco. Facundo Quinone. He was not in training today. He's still missing. Except that Lucci says he will be back in training tomorrow. So if he comes through Thursday and Friday unscathed, good chance that Faco will be available for selection this weekend. So that's two good positives out of the six. All right. Stop right there real quick. Yeah. I want to ask you a question because I think this is interesting. Yeah. Has Dallas missed him? Yes. And how has that revealed itself in the game and the games that he's missed? Uh, calmness. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I like the progression of, um, Edwin's surreal right now, but Edwin is still just a little bit too side to side, just a little bit too raw on his game reading, a little bit too anxious, just a little bit. He's brought a new toughness, which I like, but um, Facundo is much more calm, much more, much better at, at settling things down and also even just progressing forward. Um, when you have Facundo and, 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 and Edwin together, it's not quite as good as Facundo and Acosta. So, it's not it's not traumatic that he's been gone, but it has not been as good. He is an important player. I just whacked the microphone. Sorry. Don't he, do uh, with my he gesturing. definitely could have made the difference in that Seattle game where uh, in the first half when Seattle had the reserves on and kind of abandoned the midfield, but FC Dallas didn't really have a whole lot to answer for. Someone as comfortable on the ball as him may have been that kind of extra presence to just put a stamp on the game and force them to chase it. Yeah, I will say that the thing that came to mind on the uh, tying goal for Houston was watching uh, Edwin chase that player down from behind and not re- maybe not reading it as quickly. I just when I saw yeah. that t- play transpire in my brain, I thought I think uh, Quinone is playing a little deeper and was probably there to at least get in the way. I think where, he's been a really positive influence on Edwin, but you know the guy's got a lot more experience than Edwin. Yeah. Has, so you know yeah, it's yeah. definitely a little lot of fun. And I'm not slamming Edwin. I love, like I said, I love his progression lately. It's just you know it's just not quite as good. Edwin's Edwin's just a little bit too. And this is I hope this doesn't come off a little too um, calm. Not calm. Uh, um, he's just not intense enough. Like. For a holding mid, I want him to have a little bit more bite, and I want him to have a little bit more mm, 
a, a meanness to his game. He's just yeah. a little bit too chill for me for that position. Well, that's right funny. Now. He's actually a really emotional guy, but not uh, he's, he's he has a lot of empathy for people, which is kind of funny in a holding mid because you're right. It reminds me of what um, of, uh, of Simo who was off the field as genuine, as nice as you could be, was a bastard on it. And we've talked a bunch about Edwin, and I did a burn on him too about how he needed to get nasty. He started to do that just a little bit. He started to hit guys just a little bit. It's a progression. He'll he'll continue to do it and get better at it, I think. But, you know, as for now, there's definitely a, a, a drop-off. You I, just feel like, no, I just feel like we need to lock him in a room with uh, Chad Deering, Danny Hernandez, yeah. and Lionel Alvarez for an afternoon. <laughs> And just see what we get out that comes yeah. out of that. Simo, Oscar. Yeah. yeah, get all those guys. Yeah, they'll straighten him up. Just just give him, yeah, just treat him, rough him up a little bit. <laughs> scar him a little bit. Just Well, <laughs> you remember Jordan Stone? He had the same thing. Like, super nice guy. And he just never found it in himself to be a no bastard. No idea who Jordan Stone is. You don't remember Jordan Stone with the hair? The, 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 the frizzy, crazy hair? He was a holding mid. Came out of the U.S., like the U-17 team that Dallas drafted under no. Colin Clark. He Oscar tried and tried and tried to get him to be nasty. He was like yeah. a starter for the USU twenties and came to Dallas. They Man. vaguely remember the name and the hair reference, but I can't place the face. Yeah. That's amazing. Good player, right. Jordan Stone. Yeah, he just never got nasty. All and right. Then he, sorry to derail. That was yeah, a big so derail after two guys out of yeah, six. Two guys. All right. Who's, who's never? Who's not, it's my fault. I, yeah. I take the blame. Uh, number three. Yeah, uh, Johnny Nelson is going to be out for a while. Uh, I told you guys it's back related. So he's gone. Basically I have no sign of him and I have no idea when he's going to be back. It might be a while. So that's not particularly newsworthy, except that it's just going to continue. All right. Number three, four, number four, that was three. Brisson. Brisson officially has an AC sprain. You know what that is up on your, basically your clavicle. It's the same thing. I think that Jesus had. Okay. Uh, Brisson will be out two to three weeks. It's not nearly as bad as Jesus's was. Um, where there was some separation or whatever. This is just a couple of weeks out. So, um, I, you know, I think Lucci probably is missing him, but I don't know that I'm missing him. <laughs> well, they, you know, they were winning games with him. So That's true. That's now true. he's gone and they tie in yeah. Houston. So fair enough. Um, and then number five, this one's for you, Peter Paxton. Yeah. No Paxton today. So Paxton quote has made good progress. says Lucci, but not back for this weekend. He's running and he's doing the rehab work. Probably should be back next week in training. So out for who we're playing this weekend, Austin out yeah. for Austin. Uh, but it. not, not nothing crazy bad apparently. So, you know, on track, cross your fingers. We're all on Paxton watch. I know. So we never got an official word as to what happened with the MRI. Just a sprain. I that think we know that what, he had, but the club never told us he had. Yeah, yeah they told us. Oh, they did. Okay, sorry, I didn't realize that. My apologies. Yeah, it was a sprain. Um, you know, in the knee-ish area. You know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> knee-ish. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know exactly what he sprained. <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't. They don't tell me specifically. They just kind of give me like these vague. You know, because they're not. Well, how about how about how about Paxton saying to Lucci when he came off the field, "It's my knee." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when the injury happened, I'm going to yeah. assume it's his knee. Knee so. area. I'm going to call it the knee area. Yeah. It was the celebration. It's okay. It's my knee this time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Paxton in the back in a week, probably, maybe. All right. You ready for number six? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I suppose. Jimmy Maurer. 
was missing. What do you mean missing? Like was missing lost from training. Him? Like no, there's no, no, no. like a like he's, a silver alert out for him. Or he's something? out. Yeah, so, yeah. No silver alert. He's out. Um, he's not out of the game. He was out of training today. A little bit, you know, tightness in the same. Is it the quad, Dan? I can't remember what it is. The same thing he's been laboring with. Um, what I will tell you is that Philippe has been really close to challenging Jimmy anyway. So if Philippe needs to go, it's no problem. Now, Jimmy is clearly the number one still because of his leadership and communication and all that stuff. Team's better with Jimmy as a collective. But Philippe has really been pushing, so they'll be fine if Jimmy can't go. But he's supposed to be back sort and test it tomorrow, and they'll make a decision over the next couple of days of whether Jimmy can go or not. So let's call him questionable. I think that's hmm. fair. So, you know, have you that, seen the have you seen the Brazilian guy do anything in practice lately? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, every day I, I watch him a little bit just like I do uh all the rest of them. Uh, by the way, Antonio Carrero is up from the U19s filling in, uh, you know, as the third keeper in training today, so which tells you he's in all the time. I mean, he gets called up every other week basically. So, you know, that's where he is in terms of involvement, but Hey, can um, we uh, can we uh, take a minute to the uh, address the other Paxton Pomacall uh, thing that happened this week? Sure. So I guess you know. So not I guess. Uh, earlier this week, FC Dallas launched their quote unquote official podcast, and which is great, and it's very different from what we do. Uh, it's interviews with players, kind of getting personal and talking about their life. And one of the episodes is Paxton Pomichol. Now, I have not listened to it, but I am told by multiple people that Paxton makes a comment in there about having a condition which is where one of his legs is slightly uh, longer or shorter, depending on which leg you're comparing it to, than the other leg. And this created a lot of weird consternation on the interwebs and people asking, how did we not know this? And I was surprised that people didn't know this because I was convinced, and I and I'm pretty sure that uh, Paxton told us this in in a passing comment when he was on our radio show, The Kick Around, uh, sometime last year. And I and I and I don't know why people think is are so alarmed like this because I don't think the difference in size and legs is all that uncommon in the real world. It's not uncommon in the real world, but if it goes wrong, it can go really wrong. Like the best player I have ever played with in the United States in my life is one exception to this um, was a guy I played with in high school and he was a phenomenal, like all state player from like, you know, four years in high school or whatever. And halfway through his high school, senior year of high school, he had to retire from competitive soccer because of this problem. Now I know everybody's different, but if it's, if you're a person where it's going wrong and it's causing you back and hip issues, which can be the case, I have no idea if that's a problem with Paxton or not. I don't know, but that's kind I mean, of what they were saying on the on that particular podcast. I thought, and what it he was can, Paxton was, I was somebody interviewing him. The, was the people that were that were tweeting at me from that podcast said that they that the podcast says the problem is related to the fact his legs are different, and so if it really is because of that, that's actually really bad. No, he said that. He said he has a. He didn't go into much specific. He just said he has a leg length discrepancy, um, and that that's kind of what's, you know, that that obviously has led to the issues around his hip and his groin, and to the point where there was a debate whether they should have just uh, shelved him 
a couple of months earlier last season, uh, and it got to the point where yes is the answer to that question. If he <laughs> if uh, if it went to penalties in Seattle and he had to take one, he was debating taking it right footed because he was in so much pain. Anytime he struck a ball with his left. Yeah, see, to me, Peter, like that, I even for him to be saying that like it's related, that's very worrisome to my non-doctory brain because of people I know that have had to basically quit playing any kind of sports yeah. at all because of that. Now you're right that it isn't uncommon. Like all kinds of people have that kind of thing with no problem at all. But all all, all those people aren't Paxton and aren't throwing their body around like Paxton and aren't slamming into brick walls like Paxton. So that's, you know, yeah, <clears throat> it is an interesting conversation. And, and like I said, when he, when he mentioned it on the show last year, you know, I kind of, uh, my, I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's weird. But then having conversations with other people about it was, well, look, it must not be that big of a deal because if it was, he wouldn't have gotten this far in his professional career uh, if it was that big, if it was that great of a discrepancy. And I've always been told that Paxton's issues with his uh, hips are down to more of the fact of how he actually is so uh, obscenely hard on it in terms of cutting and the torque that he puts on his hips uh, and the way that he runs and the way that he cuts. And he's really unusual in that way, which was a big part of the reason why the uh, the thing that, you know, tore that he needed the surgery on is not uncommon in people, but because he put so much torque on his hips, he actually exceeded that amount of, you know, he exceeded it and created the problem doing that. I'm not, exp I'm not a doctor. I'm no, I actually totally well. know what you mean because Paxton moves differently than other people. Yeah. Like, you know, if you watch Paxton play and maybe that's because one leg's shorter than the other, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. But you, people that watch Paxton play know exactly what you mean because he yeah. wrenches himself like nobody else I've ever seen does. And that's, again, that's all related. I just, listen, we care so much because we, we want so badly for this kid to do well because we think he's supremely talented and we know him. It's, again, we grew up, that we watched him grow up playing for this club. We want the very best for him. That's why we get so upset about it. But I guarantee you that, like, it, with this kind of medical stuff in his whatever file, I guess you could call it, that this has to have hurt his value. Yeah, I was, the, that's exactly what was, I was going to get at, which yeah. is I'm surprised he has ever mentioned it online or on a radio show, because if I'm a club overseas thinking about signing him, that's the first thing that's going to be a red flag as to why oh. I don't sign him. Yeah. Well, Hey, win for FC Dallas lifer. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, <laughs> anyone that would even attempt to sign him, it's going to come out. It, whether it's just in a medical or whatever, and they're going to just, you know, whether it delayed a transfer or it took a transfer back to renegotiation, it's not like, you know, clubs buy, buy people blindly. Yeah. No, that's true. But, you know, club, there have been med, uh, transfers that have failed at the medical. A matter of fact, I can tell sure. you that Ricarte uh, lost some transfers because of medical. Well, that was the whole Mauro Diaz story. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, Mauro Diaz had his... a terrible hip injury. Uh, and that was part of the reason why he ended up in Dallas because other people were frightened off by his hip injury. Because one leg was shorter than the other. No, I don't. No, think he, that. Oh. he messed his he messed his hamstring up as a kid, and never rehabbed it properly. So he had one overdeveloped leg and one underdeveloped leg. So he's he had like yeah. a Popeye leg way, and an olive oil leg. Yeah. So <laughs> as he was running, he was comp he was like overcompensating it and just kept injuring the. Mario Diaz was running. Quote unquote good leg. Yeah, not very much, but yeah. <laughs> That was a joke. Yeah, that was pretty I'm funny. laughing. Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> All right, so six people out. 
Uh, and, you know, this is an interesting time for this to happen, and I'm bummed that Paxton's not going to play because I am traveling with Andy, my radio show partner. We're traveling, to, and I, Buzz, I think you're going too. Yep. Yep. Uh, to, we're all going to be down in Austin for the game at Q2 because I've been dying to see this stadium and see if it's as badass as everybody tells me it is and uh, this this atmosphere. So uh, I'm, I'm really bummed out my favorite player is not going to be playing in this game. Well, being an awesome dude with a soccer-loving wife, I'm taking my wife. You're taking Andy. That's fair. I'm taking my soccer wife. Yeah, soccer wife, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. It's, yeah. to- it's totally yeah. my soccer wife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'm not paying $50 to sit in a crappy stadium. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not paying either. I'm a, a, a good listener, a good P1, is loaning us his seats, his season tickets, so... Uh, I'm very lucky in that. I had I had to pay, yeah, because you got the uh-huh. you got the free ones. I had to buy. Well, I invited you. I told you if Andy didn't go, you you had the first dibs on the seat. So yeah, well, I can't I can't leave the Amy behind. So I she likes soccer you. as much as I do. You're a very lucky man in that way, Buzz Carrot. Yeah, she used to work for U.S. Soccer. People may not know that, but yeah. Didn't she used to be your insider information on stuff way back then? She's she's given me a lot of good information over the years. Not not like intimate details on players or anything, but um, like she's the one that told me about you know the like when the big controversial the U.S. women having lost to FC Dallas that that actually happens all the time. <laughs> it's like that's right. why that's why I know that it's because of her. You know, I remember you telling me at the time that you were you were seeing a girl that worked at U.S. Soccer. And she had told you something about a new jersey design or something, or she confirmed a jersey design. That's the only thing I remember. I mean, don't get her in trouble. <laughs> well, now. it was like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. You know, I, I get my information any way I can, Peter. That's right. You know, I gotta, I know, you if I got to dig for it, I got to dig for it. <laughs> wow, that's that's gross. But that could be taken so uh, many ways. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Buzz and the spotted inner passion asking for yeah. <laughs> kit U.S. men's <laughs> national team kit info. <laughs> I got some sweet U.S. national team kits though, bro. I'm that. sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. I got a I got a Drew, Drew Moore and I got a Cooper. I got a Chalupney. I got some good stuff. You got a what? Uh, Chalupney, my Chalupney? favorite. Chalupney, my favorite. One of my favorite women's players. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were like, Is that a real name? I thought it was yeah. like a weird sex actor. She retired a few years ago. She's a, no longer active. All right. Let's see. What else do we have on here to talk? Hold on. I've lost my place in my... Uh, well, while you're uh, thinking, I will tell you that my, my dude, more Antonio... More Ram- information. No, I was going to tell you, my dude, Antonio Ramirez, had a hat trick for the um, U-17s last week. So that was good. That is good. Yeah. And all right, so we've gone through. What else about practice? Anything else about practice? Yeah, the, uh, good pod listener needs. Actually, to know about? yeah, this is an overall impression uh, having to do with teams quitting. Uh, when when teams give up on coaches, one of the symptoms is that guys that aren't getting picked don't try very hard. They kind of just lollygag around training. To be fair, not surprising that they've all given up. But um, Dallas is definitely not like that right now. The guys that are just missing out are really bringing some intense uh, play, some competitive play to training. And so it's really, when I was watching today, I was just really impressed by top to bottom how sharp it was and how aggressive it was. And that's a really good sign in terms of belief and buying in. You know, the team's not rolling over. So like if you, if you want the team to do better this season, that's a positive sign. And the other thing is that uh, don't forget that Brian Acosta is out for yellow cards. 
Good Lord. I have picked the worst game in the world to go to. <laughs> yeah. So what does that leave for Austin? Uh, Rocarte. Well, let's see. Pepe should be back. Schoen will not have left. Um, probably Hader on the right. Oh, joy. Jesus. Uh, Facundo, maybe. If you can't go, then it'll be Edwin uh, next to, I think, Ricarte. Across the back will be Ryan. Uh, um, either Martinez or Hedges and Tafari and um, Tuomasi. And then either Maurer or Philippe and goal. So that's what you're going to get. No mm-hmm. Acosta. Yeah, Acosta's out. All right. I, you know, the chance may be cool. They'll get start, but I, I don't think so. I think it'll be Hadair because Shun's better left. And at this point, uh, at this point, Hadair's, I can't believe this, the best option on the right. Man, honestly. that guy. Just, I literally, we were, I, I, you know, yeah. the only the only thing that edges him ahead of Vargas on the terrible signing scale is the fact that he just runs so much and, 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 and maybe creates a bit of yeah. havoc just because everybody's, He's running at people a thousand miles an yeah. hour, but I, other than that, he really is almost totally worthless. I mean, he's got a couple goals. You know, he will go oh, no close to ninety minutes. I mean, look. I mean, like if you got who else are you going to put in there? Benny's I in know, a cast, but, but see, Khalil's that's a, on the wrong side. Okay, but that's that's the problem, right? Like these signings continuously are just terrible. I know, Peter, but we, and you we, may, and we, you we, wonder how they get guys that are this bad. Oh, that's the other thing I was thinking, I, and I meant this is one of the comments I would have made if I had been on the podcast last week, which is how absolute crap must the first Colombian division, the Colombian first division, must yeah. be if Jadir Obreon is scoring however many goals he scored in the last two years of his his time there before coming here because i don't see anything in his game that tells me he is a consistent uh uh creative goal scorer and he comes to mls and i see and but i look at his record and he was killing it in the colombian first division yeah no i totally agree with you that the guy's not great but we're in the middle of the season and you can't change it so all there is to talk about it after we've talked about how shitty he is for six months now at this point, it's like, who are you going to put in? Him or Vargas or Khalil, who's not putting it together for 90 minutes, or Benny, yeah. who's hurt, or Emma, take Emma from right back and put him up front and put Shea or Manjoma back in. I mean, there are some options, but they all suck. So it's like, what's one's going to be? It's going to be Hadair. All right. Wow. I'm not saying it's good. I's just saying it's what it is. No. I it it just it's I, I get it, yeah. but you're focusing on the individual options to replace him. I'm just talking about yeah. the overall just crappiness of the of the of the front office's inability to find good players yeah. on a regular basis. Well, That's, they missed on O'Brien and they missed on so far on Vargas. Vargas. I, I don't think it's going to fit long term, but um, I think Khalil as a draft pick, not a draft pick, a home run signing shows something. I think Tafari has shown something. The guys that the domestically they've done well. I think Ricarte is actually a phenomenal player. I just think Lucci doesn't know how to use him. Like I did a thing this week on a bunch of like kind of obscure stats, like these more advanced sort of metric kind of stuff. And Ricarte is amazing in almost all of them. Like just mind-blowingly good across the board, except that Lucci doesn't play him. Well, so but yeah, you know. but isn't but that isn't that that is actually a, a a different conversation for a different day, where we have to figure out how that went wrong. Like who who screwed that up? Was that um, Zanata's uh, failure in understanding what Lucci wanted? Was that Lucci not understanding yeah. the player he was getting? Was it just miscommunication? I don't know because 
the player they ended up getting certainly isn't the player they promoted him as when he first got here. Are I mean, not, is, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it? No, no, no. Ricarte. Oh, Ricarte. Yeah, I'm talking about Ricarte. Yeah, yeah. That that's the confusing signing to me out of all of this was, and and if I'm wrong here, if I'm if I'm stating this incorrectly, please say so. But I'm of the perception that when he got here, Dan Hunt and other people promoted him as the next Mauro Diaz. Oh no, yeah, for sure they promoted him as the next ten. Yeah, right. And we all looked at him and looked at whatever we could find online. Went, he's not a ten. Oh, I watched he's YouTube. He's best an eight. Yeah, I watched YouTube for two minutes. I'm like, dude, he's an eight. He's a deep line playmaker. He's not a 10. So it's like, you know, I, I don't know what they're watching. So that's what I'm saying. I think that's yeah. an interesting story. I would love to know the behind the scenes story of how that got effed up. Yeah, it's, one of the big issues for me here is that for me, the best soccer they've played all year was when they went with a double eight. It was before Faku got here. And they had Tessman as the six, but they went with Ricarte and Acosta. And that was the best they've ever played. Now, because Jesus is in there and Lucci loves him for some Jesus. And because and ever since Faco showed up, they won't do it. And I don't understand that. You know, sometimes you have to, I think you have to think about the big picture and not be like, I got to get my Jesus on there. It's like, maybe your best 11 doesn't have him, or maybe it has him on the wing. Maybe it's not his ideal position. Maybe it's a double eight with Jesus out on the, right where you seem to have this problem right now. So, you know, sometimes I would like to see different decisions by the coach, but we're not getting them. So basically all we can do is try and predict what the hell he's going to do. And I don't think it's going to, I mean, this time it's going to recruit Ricarte. He's going to be in there for Acosta. So, you know, maybe he'll have a good game and maybe, maybe it'll be so good that you can put, I don't know why you can't put Ricarte and Acosta both in the game. Acosta plays plenty of defense, and Ricarte, if you look up his numbers, he has some of the most pressures on the team. Now, he doesn't win a high rate, but he gets in the right spot and he presses. So it's like I, I, he does plenty enough defense for me to be able to play a double eight look. I, I don't understand it sometimes. All right. Uh, I ranted, let's see. Sorry. In the, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I was trying to figure out where we were going next, and I was trying to decipher your crayon written run sheet here. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's where we were. That's where we were. Now, um, uh, you wanted to talk about some of the uh, U19s and some of the uh, other guys on the on the oh, roster we don't talk about a lot. Yeah, it's just the guys that got called in. I, I've been saying for a while that I thought Antonio Carrera was going to be the next homegrown, probably this weekend. Not this weekend. <laughs> Sorry, back that up. <laughs> this winter, uh, you know, if they can reach some sort of accommodation, I think the time is right for him to be signed. Um, Kaiser Gomez is already the center back that North Texas has that they loaned to Dallas and they immediately loaned him back, which I think is the funniest transaction in the history of this league. But he was back into training because of uh, Brisson being out. Oh, that reminds me, I didn't tell you about Martinez. Well, let me finish the last one. Nicky Hernandez came back to FC Dallas training for the first time in a long time. Now, Nicky got hurt early this year and he had a really poor spring and he really has not been playing well. Uh, and so in general, all three of those guys, and you can include Khalil in this and you can include Manjoma in this, those guys and their ability to go down and play for North Texas and get their confidence and get going, that is invaluable. That uh, that tool the club has is a tool that in the past they never do to have and a lot of other teams do not have. And it really is incredibly useful to be developing a center back, to be developing one of their draft picks, both of their newest homegrown. He's got a big boost out of it. They got a 19-year-old well, kid that's been playing for North Texas for th- two or three years now as a keeper on and off in terms of training. Not he hasn't gotten in the game yet, but you know, I I just am always 
amazed by what a wonderful situation that is. And I really hope they don't screw it up with a stupid endless reserve thing that they're doing. You know, I hopefully it's going to be good because <laughs> it makes my teeth hurt. Oh, let me go back to Jose Martinez. I never told you about him because he, he had to be subbed out of the game. So I thought he was, I was amazed he was training today. So you'll love this, Peter. It turns out that like if they do MRIs and look at him, there's nothing wrong with him. He's not hurt. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is apparently he has a, some sort of, at least you tried to explain it to me. And I didn't, I'm not sure I totally understood it. Oh, There's wow. a nerve that runs down the back of his ass for lack of a better word. And if he gets hit really hard, it got, it like goes numb. And so that's what happened to him in the game the other day. It's like his, so his butt goes his numb. Ass for like, went numb. Yeah. For like 10 minutes. And so it hurts really badly. And he sits down and he's like, Holy crap, I can't run. Well, if he just wait 10 minutes, he's fine. You know, and he's fine to train now. He's like, there's not, there's nothing wrong with him in terms of his physical muscles or whatever. So they're looking into it to see if looking with a specialist or whatever, apparently. Um, but you know, so he's good to go. He's fine. He's not hurt. You know, he can play as long as nobody needs him in the butt, basically. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Japanese spa down on Harry Hines that can yeah. fix that for him. Get a little acupuncture. Let's, let's not get him arrested. Oh, okay. <laughs> Different spa, Dan. Not that uh, one. All right. I don't want to see your center back get deported. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that is a good sign. I, I think Martinez has been a good signing. Other than the fact he got hurt, that's not his fault. I think he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just. No, well, I just. He has. I mean, look, you don't want to notice your center back. So I guess in that reference, he's been great. But I, I've been way more impressed with Tafari than I have with Martinez. And the latter probably makes 17 times the former in terms of money and stuff. And I would, I'd rather them uh, play him. Well, then you'll be really pleased to know that Tafari is already in an option year. He was probably on a one and one drafted one and option one. So I'm 90% sure that he's out of contact at the end of the season. Oh, well, yeah, it was nice knowing you when we knew you, yeah. Nicosi. Have fun wherever you're going to be playing next. I mean, they're uh, going to have to get a kid of fat raise. I mean, it's going to have to be at least starter money, right? I mean, doesn't it? It's going to have to be like 400 something, probably. Man. Yeah, hey, I mean, man. If, if 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 Hedges is 800, Nicosi worth four, maybe. I suppose, yeah. Hey, man. look, I I can just say that I knew the kid back when he had a different last name. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? I know the other news today was that uh, Brian Acosta and uh, Shun were both uh, called up to their respective national teams. And uh, Pepe. For, and, and, and then we've also, uh, in the course of this podcast, heard that Pepe is going to the U.S. men's national team, which will bring great joy and relief to me because now I don't have to hate his guts and wish hell on him. So uh, that's, that's, that's good. All right. Anything else that we wanted to talk about on the podcast today? I hope Dan has something because I feel like I've run amok and I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Dan. Where are you, Dan? Well, I mean, it's been a fairly long one and really it's been a pretty quiet week. So I, I, I've been busy. I, I don't know. I haven't kept up with anything. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I was just all that dead air just waiting for Dan to come up with content. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it followed like really long things that Buzz said and I was like, well, I'm not going to just. All right. Here's what, horse. here's what I'll throw in, and I'll tell you my. And I mentioned this earlier. This is my quick uh, 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 note about the skills thing. So I was at uh, playing indoor last night, and they have TVs up on the wall. And commonly they'll throw games of different, you know, different sports up on the TV. But when there's soccer games on, they'll throw them up there. 
And I did find it interesting to watch. And there's a it's quite a different collection of people that are there. There are Americans, uh, people from South America, uh, Central America, all different types of people there. And I was uh, interested to watch people react to the skills game because a lot of people were making fun of it or laughing at it. Oh, but was everybody was really, really watching it intently. And while they were kind of mock, some of them were mocking it, even the ones that were mocking it seemed to be enjoying watching it, if that makes any sense. And I thought that was really interesting. Do you remember the, the first year they did it? And because it was, you know, it was the training drills in FIFA. And because FIFA sponsored the league, they brought oh, it Oh, that's right. And, I forgot about that. Right. And that alone, because, you know, everyone had played those little games as you're waiting for like your game to load so millions of people have played those games over and over again and thought i could do that with a with a trash can set at 20 yards 30 yards however many and a moving target and all this that and the other so they actually get to see pros doing it and yes the uh i didn't the only part i saw was the i saw the volley uh the, the start of the volley is when the keeper goes down and with a uh, maybe cramp he said um, later he faked it. Yeah, he oh, admitted he, okay. he faked it, yeah. Because yeah. he said um, that Pepe was getting on too much of a run, so he needed to stop it. And I can't figure out if I think if I feel like that's, <laughs> that's genius smart. or no, the worst, most unsporting thing ever. Um, the, the only other part I saw was uh, when Pepe was doing the the pass challenge, where they got like kick it into the little goal, pass it to the little goal, kick it in the little uh, golf chipping net, hit the moving target, and. Um, they got two from like 50 tries. Yeah, I was, we were, uh, at the time I was watching was when they were doing the, essentially the soccer version of ski ball and Pepe was up and he was having a really, really tough time with it. And I thought, man, to be 18 years old in front of all those people having to do that, that's a, that's a difficult skill unto itself to do consistently and well, but to have to do it in front of a crowd at his age seemed really difficult. And then some, you know, more some of the veteran M, uh, league MX guys went out there and weren't much better than he was at it. So I, you know, like I said, I I don't, you know, one of the conversations that was going on is if this was airing live on Sky Sports in England, what are English people or people in Germany thinking of this? When they're watching it, like, what is this going on? And would they mock it? Would they think it's stupid? And the general consensus is anybody not from here would think this is the dumbest thing they've ever seen. No, that's absolutely false. Really? Um, because, again, it's that you're talking about people who've seen, who've played these little games on FIFA, and, you know, seeing it for real is, is cool. It's impressive. You want to see it. All right. Do you think Good. you I'm could glad do to hear better that. than the people doing it? Absolutely. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same as, sorry, you've played foot golf, right? Yeah. Okay, so you can ping a ball on someone's head pretty easy. And you think that when you when you line up uh, at the first tee and then you're like, you watch the ball roll around, you're like, oh, shit, this is, this is different. This isn't the same as just playing a pass. It's like I have to, conf I have to figure out landscape and stuff now. And it's the same. It's, it's the variables... The, the variables that you rely on that you don't necessarily have in the game suddenly they're there for these little skill drills and they're like oh crap I haven't done this before and now I need to adjust. Yeah, at the end of it, where I what I came away from it with was I hope the league continues to do it and improve on it because it is the type of thing that they could really make their own 
uh, and uh, and grow and grow it in terms of people getting excited about it from year in and year out. Because uh, somebody asked me if watching the MLS game, All Star game itself, was worth watching. I said probably not, but the skills thing the night before could be pretty entertaining because it's just different. Um, and you know what? I'm sure it probably it'll be interesting to see how the ratings turn out and uh, and and uh, and and just kind of the fallout from it because. Well, it was I, like I said, it was interesting to watch people kind of mock it, but they were all standing there watching the whole damn thing while I was there. So, yeah, the, I thought that the, was interesting. The thing about this kind of that skills thing in particular, and also games in general, is they're not targeted for people like us, right? And these are for casuals, they're for kids, they're for non uh, like every game watching hype. I mean, I remember as a kid watching the, the major league baseball all-star game and being excited about like, Oh, there's my team's guy, you know, with his Rangers Jersey on, you know, right. or, yeah. you know, that's one of my things I really lament is that there's not like an obvious way to tell the clubs these guys play for. Like they're not wearing like they're like back in the day, you would wear all one team in their road jerseys and all one team in their home jerseys. So like all the whites, but yet it would still say Dodgers and Rangers or whatever, you know, I kind of miss that part of it, that, that, that way that ID like, Oh, there's my guy, you know, for the young, for the casuals and the kids. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's what it's really for. Um, and then the other thing I just noticed is that I wonder if Peppy picked his Jersey number because he's wearing Matt Hedges number for the all-star game. That's kind of cool. 24. I mean, yeah. yeah. Coincidence or whether he picked it or not, I, I, you know, that's still a nice nod to the defensive goat of your franchise. I think that's cool. If, it, if it's a coincidence. It's, You'd appreciate the way that they uh, differentiate the clubs in rugby or that sort of stuff. They just wear their club socks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you're funny. in a league that's all white for homes and versus all colors, it's easy to do. But I mean, unless it's not like that, I'm glad it's not like that. So it's harder to work. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. They could always just stick a giant, uh, you know, uh, monocolor version of everybody's crest on the front of their uh, respective. I mean, they shirt. have a patch on it, but it, it, like it should be bigger somehow. I feel like. Yeah, yeah I agree. Instead of having All like right. the Target sponsor, well, you got to have a sponsor, don't you? I guess I don't know. You got to have a sponsor, Buzz. This stuff's yeah. expensive. It's got to get is. paid for, sir. Speaking of which, speaking of which, third degree. The podcast is brought to you by Soccer Ninety. Now, if you really want to be a good Dallas soccer fan, you want to honor the heritage of the sport in this town, which means you need to go buy immediately a Dallas Tornado tee. They have them exclusively at Soccer90.com, and they are so sweet. I can't wait to get mine. And while you're there, you can also pick up FC Dallas, U.S. National Team, and International Club gear. And when you get your cart filled with everything because you're buying stuff online— if you just use the code third degree at checkout, you get 25% off your order from the good people at soccer90.com. All right. Well, I at least hope, uh, Buzz, we can all, you, Andy, me, Amy, can all get together and have a foursome before the game uh, in terms of having dinner together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, so, why are you playing golf? Down in Austin. Uh, as we get to go check out those new digs and that uh, crazy Austin weird atmosphere everybody's been telling me about uh, as uh, Dallas faces off against Austin. By the way, it is Sunday night. That's right. We're all taking road trips down on Sunday. The game is on Sunday night down at Q2 Stadium, and I'm sure we'll all have our own various reports and stuff back from there. So, uh, Buzz, I look forward to uh, hanging out with you down there, man. Yeah, man, it'll be fun. And thank you for all your kick-ass information. And, Dan, thanks for uh, doing all the heavy lifting and carrying the uh, podcast last week since uh, I, it sounds like your back's hurting. 
It's alright, I was just sitting in a funny way in a chair, really. <laughs> we don't want to know about your personal life. Oh. And, hmm? What? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that went sideways at the end. <laughs> alright, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. By the way, I think I'm going to wear my FC Dallas Curious shirt down in Austin on Sunday. So if you you're down there and you see me say say howdy uh and we will speak to you next week hopefully uh, with three big austin points in our pocket uh, uh for another episode of third degree the podcast keep frisco curious third degree the third degree net podcast third degree the third degree net podcast third degree the third degree net podcast Third degree, the third degree never care.